0: Well, good morning. Happy Sabbath. Uh, We've got a special weekend this weekend with Mother's Day. I've got a special place in my heart for moms. My uh, my mother was very special, very special lady. But I'm going to tell you a story of something that happened. Oh, several years ago, my oldest son owned a couple of businesses, and he needed to remodel one of those. And he asked me if I would come down and help him. And so I did. And there was a lady is actually a few years older than I am, Was uh, became friends with them, and she just really loved my son and daughter-in-law. I mean, just really, really loved them. And, and so <clears throat> I, uh, when I was in there, I was working on something, and I heard somebody come in and, and ask, Joshua, is your father here? And he said, yes, he's over in the back there, he's working, and, and she says, well, I want to meet him. And so he brings her, brings her back there, and, and she comes up to me, and she says, she holds out her hand, and when I shook hands with her, she says, I just want to shake the hands of the man who raised such a fine son. And I looked at her, and I says, no, I said, you need to be thanking my wife. Because it had much more to do with her, and I really believe this. It was much more to do with her and her influence than it was mine, and so, and I really believe that. I really believe that moms have a very, very special uh, part to play in the formation of characters of our of our of our children. Um, <clears throat> as I have looked at this and I've studied about this. Uh, moms really, you know, there was a song that was out a number of years ago, and it says that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I couldn't tell you how the song goes. That's, that's about all I know of it, but it's really true. It's really true. The moms have really so much in the formation of character for, for future generations, and I think it's really good that we have a day that we honor that, a day that we, that we look to the moms and that we give them thanks for that self-sacrificial work that they do. <clears throat> Our sermon this morning is going to be on Joshebed or Jochebed, depends on who who you're talking to. I've always called it Joshebed. Um, but anyways, I'm going to do that, but first I'm going to go ahead and pray. If you'd just go ahead and bow your heads with me as I uh, as I pray here. Father in heaven, just thank you for just the blessings that you have given us, the blessings of of giving us mothers, and especially those raised in, a, in Christian homes of having a godly mother. And Father, we're thankful for that. And as we celebrate this time, this weekend, this special day of, for mothers, uh, Father, I just pray that you would bless uh, to that end. And Father, as we open your word today and we look at the life of a, of a woman who, had she not had the influence that she did, we may not have the first five books of the Bible. And so I just pray that you would bless us now as, we, as you, we open your word together, that your Holy Spirit would fill us, that you'd fill our hearts, you'd fill our minds, that you'd draw us close to you. And Father, may we through this, may we gain an even deeper appreciation for our mothers the mothers in our congregations, the, those women who have sacrificed so much to raise that next generation. Father, bless us now to that end, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Joshua, <Jehoshabed. clears throat> in Exodus chapter 2. In Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 it says And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. This is our introduction now. Now remember, Moses is the one that was writing this. But this is our introduction into how Moses' family and, and what was going on. We don't know a whole lot about from this. You don't even, her name isn't even brought out. In fact, it's not until you get over to chapter 6 of Exodus that you find out what her name is and what the man's name was, who was the father of, of, uh, of Moses as well as the mother of Moses. In Exodus chapter 6 now, and verse 20, it says, Now Amram took for himself Jochebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses years of the life of Amram were 137 years. And so Amram and Joshebed, we know from history that they were born in a slave, uh, slave-like conditions. Um, very oppressive, very, very oppressive. Uh, one of the things I think that we need, and we're gonna see this as we continue on in the story, I think that we'll come to, uh, it, we need to understand this, is the absolute authority that monarchs had at this time. I don't think we really fully appreciate that living in a country like we do where there there really is no absolute authority that there is a There's an elected uh, officials that make laws Uh, But there when the monarch said something it was law. Nobody could question a monarch Nobody could tell him no. He decided who lived who died what was done what wasn't done Everything went then according to his will now just as a little side note here if you look at the at the age of uh, Amram it says Amram was 137 years old when he died now Moses was 80 when they began the exodus he lived 40 years in Egypt 40 years in Midian and now he's back in Egypt and he's getting ready to lead them out and this is a story to tell the history of Moses where he came from um, if he was 137, now this is talking about Amram, was 137, uh, he would have had to have Moses, Father Moses, older than 57 years old in order to have missed the Exodus. So most likely, Amram was there when they left, uh, when they left Egypt. Uh, another thing that this tells me is if his father could live for 137 years as a slave, then there were some pretty good genetics in moses lineage and why god chose amram and joshabed i think there was spiritually of course you know he would have chosen someone who would be able to place into moses mind those those elements of truth that he would need to carry him throughout his life but also, there was a physical, you know, there's a physical resilience that was there. Uh, anybody who could live in those conditions to that long of an age, they had to have some very good genetics. And so, here we've got the whole story of, of, of Moses, but we're not going to look at Amram here this morning. We're going to be looking at uh, uh There's no doubt that she was a woman of great faith. Um, great faith. In fact, her faith was strong enough that she would defy, and we're going to see in a moment, that she would defy Pharaoh's orders. Uh, I believe she would have been a very intelligent woman as well. Uh, Moses, I think, was possessed of a great intellect. When you realize, or when you think about it, that the first five books of the Bible, well, plus the book of Job, uh, a lot of uh, people believe that that were a lot of uh, experts, a lot of authorities believe that Job was written by Moses as well. When you read that and realize how many thousands of years that has been used to guide the church and guide God's people. And so... um, and, and as you see what she did, and when you see what she did, the, the, the way that she, the, the method, I should say, that she devised to save her son, she was a very intelligent woman as, as well. And so the, the, the whole story of Moses might have been very different had it not been for Joshebed, his mother. And so um, I wanted this morning, I want to just pay uh, tribute to her. Now, <clears throat> Josephette is, without any question, one of the outstanding women in the Bible, and I think there are several reasons uh, for that. Uh, the first one is that she had confidence, she had faith in the promises of God. It was a very dark period of history for Israel. They had been in slavery for a number of years. In fact, a lot of what, God had, what they should have known about God had been forgotten. Uh, and then, so then, the Pharaoh, then he was over that, he became jealous of the, the way the Hebrews were multiplying, and so he decided that the best thing to do would be to destroy, to have murdered, to have killed every male born to an Israelite woman. I'm going to go back over to Exodus chapter 1 now. We're going to pick up the story there in verse 15, and I hope you're following along in your Bibles with this. I find it much more um, Understandable if I'm following along my Bible as someone is speaking. Verse 15 of chapter 1, it says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shiphrah, and the other was Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him." But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. This is really interesting because this isn't this uh, abortion as we have this scourge in our country now. But now we've got a situation where a child is actually born. The child can be born. It can be healthy. It can be very, very vibrant. But if it's a boy, these women were instructed to commit murder. He was telling them to commit murder and to murder all these boys. But then verse 17 says, But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. And so the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, notice the way they respond to Pharaoh. Pharaoh Pharaoh's wondering, why didn't you obey me? you know, I'm the absolute authority here. Nobody can question me. I gave you a direct order. Why is it that you did not do anything here like I told you to do? And their answer was really pretty interesting because he, they kind of throw in Pharaoh's face that they are healthier than what the Egyptians were. It says, and the midwife said to Pharaoh, this is verse 19 now, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. And so what they're telling us is, listen, our women aren't, aren't like yours. They don't have to have all this help. They just, when they decide it's time to have a baby, they already have the baby before we even get there. And verse 20 says, therefore, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, "Every son who is born you shall, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive." Now what's interesting is that Moses being one of the types of Christ in the, in the Bible, and there's a lot of parallels in that. but here you know, he had Jesus when he was, when he was just a, an infant. You know, Herod wanted all, in fact, he wanted Jesus dead so bad that he killed all the infants there in that city. And now you've got Moses, they were to kill all the male children as well. You know, I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder how many would have been thrown into the river had the women feared Pharaoh more than they feared God. I wonder, as I'm reading that story, I wonder, you know, how many of these women feared Pharaoh more than they feared God, and they would take their sons and throw them into the rivers. You know, that's the most unnatural thing. The most unnatural thing for a woman to do is to harm her child. It really is. And so Pharaoh asking them to do that, that would go against every instinct that God had placed inside those women. Now, the, you have to understand, though, at this point, you know, the mothers in Israel, these were, they were in slavery. They really, they were powerless against the command of Pharaoh. And it was under this background, this backdrop, that we see that Joshebed, what she did to preserve the life of this child that we know today as Moses. Um, I think she demonstrated how how her intelligence, her ingenuity, her ability to try to circumvent things uh, by devising a little ark to place her son in. And Exodus chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, says, So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But she could no longer hide him. She took an ark of bulrushes for him daubed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds on the river's bank now this is i find this really really interesting what she did here because she she must have had a very inventive mind now remember what the command was the command was you're supposed to throw your male children into the river right and so that's exactly what she did now he didn't say you can't put them in an ark first he just said, you've got to throw them in a the river, and so she does it. She, she makes this ark, she puts them in there, and after three months, now the baby, she was able to hide them for three months, and I remember when, when we had children, when they first came home from the hospital, I can still remember the first night, the first night when our first child came home, and, and, and we brought him. we had him in our room with us, and I woke up during the night, there was this really faint, crying noise that was going on. It was almost, almost couldn't even hear it. Now my wife could hear it because she was up, she was up intending to that little boy right away. I was, I slept for a while before it came on. But moms have that, they've got that special hearing that they're really tuned in for that. Um, My wife could, if we had the kids in that house, we had an upstairs and and as the kids grew up, they would be in the upstairs. She could hear something that was going on up there way before, before I could. And she'd be out of bed and upstairs checking on them. Uh, there's just that's just that's, I think that's that instinctive thing that's placed in uh, in moms. But here she is, you know she can't. Pharaoh comes up. I told you. Why didn't you throw him in a river? I told you to throw him in a river. She said, Well, I did exactly what you said, and, but she knew. You know, she she also had to, it shows that she had strong faith. Um, that she had to know that the time of their deliverance was at hand and that she must save her child. Now, I don't know if she knew that Moses was to be the one that was to deliver them, but they had to know that somebody was going to come along to, uh, to be able to do that. In fact, we know from the story of Abraham actually this takes place before he became he was known as abraham he was still called abram in genesis chapter 15 verses 13 and 14. it says then he that is god said to abram he says, no certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. So she knew very well that the time was getting very close, that the time was right, that their deliverer must be coming on the scene very soon. Just like the Jews in Jesus' day had to know that the time for the Messiah was to come on, on board, that it was time for him to show up. And that's why the the, the Herod, when he sent them out to kill all the, uh, the babies from two years old and, and under. And so she used the very same river, the very same river that received who knows how many thousands of Hebrew children by, by drowning them. And so she honored her faith and she, wo- she opened up the way to make the life of Moses secure. And it really shows us that when mothers work in harmony with God's plan and in faith, their work will be, rejo- be rewarded um, and God allowed Joshebed then, you know the story, I, I don't know if I have to go through the whole story, but she placed it in the bulrushes there, and it went floating out, and, and Pharaoh's daughter came down and and saw the, the the ark there and said what is that and they sent them out to get it and when she opened up she knew that that was a Hebrew child there was no doubt in her mind that that was a Hebrew child uh, and in her in her womanly instinct she knew that a Hebrew woman had risked everything to place him in that ark and put him out there in the river and then of course his sister came Miriam came running up and she says shall I get a nursemaid for him and and you know the the rest and so Moses got to grow up with Joseph teaching him on a daily basis. And when he got up to where he was weaned, uh, probably about 12 years of age, um, then he was brought over to Pharaoh's so that he could, or to the household of Pharaoh, and then he would begin a completely different life. You know, experts tell us that to a large degree, character is formed by the age of four. And, you know, this could be a reason why there weren't a whole lot of boys his age or a lot of men his age when they, uh, when they left her. And so Joshua, but she, she had to have taken that time to really e- explain to him and to develop him to be true to the faith of his fathers, to be true to the, to the one true living God, uh, to refuse to be contaminated as he, she knew that he was going to be going into a situation. You know, Egypt is a lot like what we have today. Um, there, there, there was uh, there was a lot of immorality that was taking place. Uh, so there was there was really a parallel with uh, with the, with the time there, and she knew the temptations that would be facing him. So she must have spent real time just developing that character in him that he would be be faithful uh, to God. In fact, it got to a point where the Bible says that he refused to be called. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 to 27. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, as I as I read that <clears throat> and I think about what Moses could have had. Moses was in line, he very possibly could have been Pharaoh, and if not Pharaoh himself been very close to that. He would have had a, a pyramid built. And he could have been buried in that pyramid with all the riches and all the glory and all the honor and everything else that would be ascribed to that so that some tomb robber one day could rob it out. But he could have been one of the very top in that entire kingdom. And he walked away from that. As I realize that, I wonder, you know, how many today would be willing to make that trade? How many? How many have rationalized when making a choice like this? Thinking how much good they can do if they could just get into that position that they could do so much good. And, and of course, all the wealth that comes with it. I remember, and I've heard this from a number of people when they would tell me, "He says, you know, this is really a good job that I'm being offered. I mean, this is really a a, a really, really good job. I mean, I'm going to be really elevated up. The the potential for advancement is really there. And I will have a very, very, very good income. Now, the problem is I may have to work on Sabbath now, and then probably two, maybe three Sabbaths out of the month I'll have to work. But you know, the point will come where I'm going to be able to say, no, I'm not going to work on that. And then I'll be able to start paying tithe. You know, I really can't afford to pay tithe right now. I remember a man explaining that to me, and he was I think he was looking for uh, if affirmation of his decision rather than what he, was, what he was going to get from me. And I just looked at him, and I said, you really think you will do that? And he says, oh, yeah. I says, I don't. Because I, if you refuse to pay God 10% now, it'll be that much harder if you've got that much more money coming in to pay that 10%. I said, but I think what will happen is you find yourself is that you will find yourself more and more like the people of the world rather than being like the people of God. And so that's a, a choice that we all get to face, you know, the choice that we all get to make. You know, what are we going to do? What are we choosing? Are we going to choose the way of God or are we are going to choose the way of the world? And Moses made a very firm, solid choice that he would rather be with God's people and suffer affliction than to experience the pleasures of sin for a season. And what we see in here, she demonstrated to the whole universe the high and noble mission of motherhood. You know, our modern society, we've done a lot to degrade motherhood. Um, It's almost like it's an insult. It's almost like it's an insult. I remember a number of years ago, Um, um, Hillary Clinton actually was running for president, actually Bill Clinton was running for president. And they asked her about something and and she said, well just because I didn't decide to stay home and bake cookies, like uh, staying home and raising children was a huge, huge insult. Um, But we really have, we really have. And I think it's time for, for, especially if the rest of the world doesn't want to, we need to really honor and place motherhood in a position that it uh, uh that it really that it really has you know we live in an age of age of contradiction we have an age of abortion on teman- on com- on demand you know if you look in nature that that, that doesn't happen in nature um, <clears throat> in fact i remember one time uh, my daughter wanted a a rabbit a pet rabbit, and you got to have two of them because one rabbit just, you know, they just don't do as well by themselves because they need company. And so we went and got a couple little bunnies, and, of course, little bunnies grow up, and I don't know how to tell the difference between a boy rabbit and a girl rabbit. Nobody really explained that to me, and so what happened was is we found out too late that we had one of each. And you know what rabbits are known for. Rabbits are known for their ability to reproduce, and, boy, they did. And so pretty soon we had a a whole nest full of uh, little baby rabbits in there. And my wife walked over, and she was going to just look at them. And I didn't know that rabbits could growl. But not only can they growl, but they will attack you. And in fact, the thing did. It came right across, and it bit my wife. You know, she pulled back, and she had a little trickle about it. I mean, it wasn't a bad bite or anything like that. But the natural instinct was to protect, not to kill. Not to kill. And today we've got a, we've got a society where, where, where we are destroying. The, and look at what's happened. The whole value of life has really depreciated since we've, been, since we've been doing that. You know, I lived in Alaska for about 12 years. Lived out in the bush for, a, for a, um, oh, about three of that, of that 12 years. And I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> you want to see a mother who wants to protect her hands? Just get between a sow grizzly and her cub sometime and watch what takes place you will think it's Armageddon because there'll be things flying all over the place. You've never seen anything as mad, as angry, as ferocious as a sow grizzly when she thinks that her uh, that her, hub, her, her uh, cubs are, are in danger. <clears throat> you know, but back to America, <clears throat> um, this nation cannot continue on with the Holocaust that is taking place I really don't believe it will. There, is, there, is, there, are, there are basic moral values that allow this country to be what it is, and when we pull that away, what we're left with, what we're left with is an immoral, amoral society, and that will be the death knell to America, in my opinion. But Joseph showed that mothers really often hold the destiny of their children in their in their hands. They're the ones who form that next, uh, that next generation. I remember my mom, I, I didn't grow up Seventh-day Adventist, I grew up Roman Catholic. And I, you know, I went to Catholic schools, but then after I, got it, I went into high school and then I got out on my own, I just kind of wandered on my own and I wasn't practicing anything at all. But um, we started studying the Bible. My wife and I started studying the Bible. <clears throat> And my mother was a convert to Catholicism. Now, converts have a kind of a zeal about what, they're, what they believe in. And my mom had that. That's why she made sure we went to Catholic school. She wanted to make sure that we were going to receive Catholic instruction so that we would remain in the church. Well, I had left the church. I was out. I was leading a, not a very good life. And then I got married. That was a big step in the right direction. But... Um, um, but when we started studying, I remember writing uh, my mom a letter. <clears throat> and, I, and I told her in the letter, I says, Mom, I, you know, I, I was explaining to her why I was going to be baptized, that I was going to be baptized as Seventh-day Adventist. And I remember telling her that in the letter that I hope this doesn't hurt you or that this doesn't cause you any pain of any sort, but this is something that I really believe I must do. And so a couple weeks later, I got a letter back from her and she said she said you know honey she says don't worry about hurting my feelings she says i don't understand why you need to be rebaptized cuz you were baptized as an infant you know i made sure of that but she says my prayers have finally been answered you know mom didn't know what i'd been up to before i before i got married but she knew it wasn't good and for her to for her son to follow Jesus was more important to her than anything else. That was very, very important to her. She says, my prayers have been answered. I've got a statement here from the uh, book Patriarchs and Prophets that I think is, uh, uh, adds to our adds to our discussion. Here this morning. It's found on page 244. So says she kept the boy as long as she could. Talking about Joshua now keeping Moses. But was obliged to give him up when he's about 12 years old. From his humble cabin home, he was taken to the royal palace to the daughter of Pharaoh, and he became her son. Yet even here, he did not lose the impressions received in childhood. The lessons learned at his mother's side could not be forgotten. They were a shield from the pride, the infidelity, and the vice that flourished amid the splendor of the court. How far reaching, now listen to this, listen to this, moms, moms, and young mothers, listen to this. How far reaching in its results was the influence of that one Hebrew woman and she an exile and a slave? You know, we think about the conditions that, 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 that kids are, are, are raised up here, and, and some kids are raised in some pretty tough conditions. I'm not saying that. But she was raised as a slave. As a slave. She was raised in a situation there was no voice that she could make. She was raised in a very, very adverse situation, but yet she was successful in raising one of the greatest statesman leaders this world has ever known she said the whole future life of Moses the great mission which he fulfilled as a leader of Israel testifies to the importance of the work of the Christian mother now listen to this next sentence there is no other work that can equal this there's no other work that can equal this now if you're a mom If you're a mother, I want you to listen to that. Listen to that. There is no work greater than being a mother, a Christian mother, and raising your children with Christian values. To a very great extent, I'm continuing on, the mother holds in her own hands the destiny of her children. She is dealing with developing minds and characters, working not alone for time, but for eternity. She is sowing seed that will spring up and bear fruit, either for good or for evil. She has not to paint a form of beauty upon canvas or to chisel it from marble, but to impress upon a human soul the image of the divine. Especially during their early years, the responsibility rests upon her of forming the character of her children. The impressions now made upon their developing minds will remain with them all through life. Parents should direct the instruction and training of their children while very young to the end that they may be Christians. They are placed in our care to be trained not as heirs to the throne of an earthly empire, but as kings unto God to reign through unending ages. Let every mother feel that her moments are priceless. Her work will be tested in the solemn day of accounts. Then it will be found." that many of the failures and crimes of men and women have resulted from the ignorance and neglect of those whose duty it was to guide their childish feet in the right way. Then it will be found that many who have blessed the world with the light of genius and truth and holiness owe the principles that were the mainspring of their influence and success to a praying Christian mother. I think that's a a good lesson for us today. I think that as we see this story and as this has unfolded in front of us, we see the sacred responsibility of Christian motherhood. And listen, if there's ever been a time that this is needed, it's now. We're living in a time of, in my view, very much darkness on the land. And as, they, as the mothers are they're co-workers with God, And as together, as God is working with them, they shape actually the destiny of their children. And that's exactly what we see that Joshebed did. Mothers need to know that there can be no higher mission than to train children to honor God in their lives and to be useful to humanity. Think about what she did. Think about what she did. She defied, she had the courage to defy the wrath of Pharaoh to save Moses from being destroyed in the river probably at peril of her own life. Probably at peril of her own, her own life. She used the very river to save Moses' life. And this is, it shows the heroism that was with her. You know, I, I've read stories of of, of uh, women, Harriet Tubman, uh, how she, she helped get slaves out of the South and get them escaped to, uh, to freedom. Uh, um, How many women were, during the the Holocaust, the women would offer themselves so that their children could be be saved. And because she was faithful to that, because she was faithful to God in raising a godly child, she gave to her nation and the world a man that the Bible says was the meekest man on the earth. He was one of the greatest legislators and, and statesmen of all times. And she did this while being a slave and under the most adverse conditions. Amazing, amazing story. It was during those early years she laid the foundation for the faith of Moses that enabled him to choose the cross of Christ rather than the pleasures of sin for a season. And she trained that little boy. She trained that little boy to keep his sight upon the invisible rather than upon the temporal. In Hebrews chapter 11, Verses 24 to 27 said, By faith. Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, Joshua succeeded where other mothers feared to venture. And that's what makes her a hero for mothers today, it makes her unforgettable. That's why we have the record of this in Scripture been passed down for, from centuries, from, from millennia to millennia, that we can read about that today. And so this morning I would like to wish all the mothers that are here, all the mothers that are listening to this, a happy Mother's Day. And if you have not, guys, if you've not called, or ladies, if you've not called your mothers in in some time, Mother's Day is a very good time. In fact, the phone companies tell us that that is the most, phone calls made is on, on Mother's Day. When you call her, thank her. Thank her for the sacrifices that she made for you. I know... Um, my mom, my mom would go without to make sure that we had. And I tell you, if you haven't talked to your mom for a while, do it before it's too late. Because once they're gone, they're gone. Take that time now. Let them know. Let them know that you really appreciate what they have done for you. That guiding hand they gave you, let them know that you really do love them. Let's pray. Father, Father, we just thank you for mom's. What a a blessing it is that if if you're raised in a Christian home and you have a mother that instills good moral values, biblical values, that gives our children a worldview, what a blessing that that is to, not just to our home, not just to our family, but to our community, to our churches, to our nation, to the world. It's a blessing to all. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless the moms, that you'd give them a very special day tomorrow. I pray that they can just enjoy that, that they can give you the thanks and the glory for allowing them that privilege. So, Father, I just pray that you would bless us now, that you would go with us, you would cause your face to shine upon us, grant us your peace, cause your Holy Spirit to, to move us closer and closer to you. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.